Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Oh My Curry Goodness podcast. I'm your host, Hamza Islam. My guest this week is Arissa Roy, who is the founder and CEO of Project Power Global, an organization that looks to spread awareness about education, especially to countries that don't have the basic needs compared to other countries such as the United States and Canada. Just a little backstory, me and Arissa are both South Asian. In South Asian countries, don't have as many resources, especially when it comes to education, compared to the United States and Canada. And I say Canada because Arissa is based there. But for Arissa to be able to be able to help people in need, especially when it comes to education and how important it is, is truly amazing to see. Now, Arissa, as of this podcast, is officially the youngest guest I have interviewed. She's only 17 years old, but she has done amazing things in her life. And she is one of the most outgoing people I have met. And I'm that's and that sounds like a low bar, but I promise you it is not. I love talking to people that that just love to converse with others and just give you the same energy that you want to have when talking to uh, when talking to a person. So Here's my conversation with Arissa Roy. Arissa Roy, welcome to the Oh My Curry Goodness podcast. Hey, Hamza. It's so awesome to be here. I can't wait for our conversation. Now, I want to start off by announcing to the world, just kidding, not really the world, but I really want, I want to start off by saying that you are officially the youngest guest we've had on this podcast. Um, (laughs) I know that a few weeks ago you turned 17 and I wished you a happy late birthday because I'm a terrible friend and I'm not good at uh, getting them on time. But I have to say this and and I say this in sincerity, um, there should be more people like you. And I say that because you are one of the most outgoing people I've met. And I say this every time I meet you, I run into people who give me one or two word answers. They're clearly not wanting to talk to me. And then when you meet people like yourself, who's always willing to engage in conversation, I know that sounds like a low bar, but I promise you that's not. So thank you for being one of the few people that actually loves conversing with people and not just giving a one or two word response. Oh my gosh, you are so sweet. Thank you. That that really made my day. And, you know, I believe conversation is such a powerful tool we have in this world because honestly, it breaks down barriers. It helps you understand people. And it really is one thing that you, that we all have um, as a tool to help us, you know, expand our impact and really understand other people's perspectives on life. So I love doing it and I'm really grateful for this platform and uh, I can't wait to, to talk to you about some stuff. Now, I bring up the topic of age because it's unfortunately something you have to deal with on a daily basis. You have a really good vision for uh, talking about raising awareness for education and poverty, especially in countries that don't have enough resources like mm-hmm. South Asian countries, because I know you have South Asian background. And when you look at the United States and Canada, there's so many things that we have that Mm -hmm. South Asian countries don't. Mm -hmm. But you kind of remind me how, think of it like how with parents, when they they tell their kids, hey, you need to do this. And then the Mm -hmm. kid is like, yeah, I'll do it later. And now it feels like you're the parent telling organizations saying, hey, we need to solve these issues now. But then all these organizations or people are like, yeah, we'll wait four or five years. 
Yeah. And it's like, no, we need to talk about this now because these people who are being affected cannot wait four or five years. They have, they need to have these resources now. And no matter how hard you try, people are still going to think that they can't take you seriously because mm -hmm. of your age, because you're only 17. And so I really want to know how you're able to keep going. Yes, you're going to still receive pushback. Yes, you're still going to get the same responses. But how do you keep going, especially given that, you know, you're not, you're, you're not old enough, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, first of all, I completely agree with what you said, but I would challenge the not old enough thing, because I feel like that's um, something I personally had to get over um, before being confident enough to continue the work I'm doing. And I think that a lot of young people these days fall into this trap of thinking like, just because we don't have a fancy PhD on the wall that studies these issues well enough and well in depth, uh, we're not educated or don't have a perspective that's valuable to the table. And I would really challenge that belief and encourage all young people to look at it in a different perspective and say, what are the life experiences that I've had that help me see this issue in a very authentic, raw kind of way? Um, so you were just speaking about, you know, the issue of education, especially in um, countries in the global south and and the systematic issues that are present um, in those countries. And for me, obviously, I've not had a university education that's studied, you know, um, poverty reduction and things like that. But I have used this youthful energy that I have as a tool to have a conversation with youth who are my age, who are struggling from these issues, and really learn about what they need in order to help solve the problems that they experience. And I think it's really about finding the value that you have and can bring to the table, which will inevitably like knock out this idea that you are too young. So my advice to like any young person who wants to make a difference is find your talent and use it and keep using it and just keep pushing for your voice to be heard. You're right, a lot of people will say no. A lot of people will ask you to be quiet and not give you a seat at the table, but it's really your job as a young person to keep fighting until the systems are better. So I can give you an example. I uh, am involved with the UN in many perspectives, in many ways. Um, and I will say that no matter how many opportunities there are present for young people, there are also different challenges that we experience. And it's just all about keep like that um, confidence to keep fighting for your, your seat at the table. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Project Power Global because that is your organization. Um, and I want to focus more on the backstory because this was largely inspired because you took a trip to India and you saw the some of the issues that were troubling or heartbreaking to see. Um, education is one thing. And then poverty was another big issue that unfortunately South Asian countries still face today. Mm -hmm. And from from like the United States or Canadian standpoint, we we under, we see that this is an issue. But mm -hmm. I would love for you to tell the audience how serious or how how much that issue, I guess, impacted you. Because 
it, it's one thing to go like, oh yeah, these people are struggling. These people are going through a lot, but like when you are, but I'd love to know, like for you to like elaborate on like how much it affected you in terms of like learning more about, I guess, like different countries and like, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to like South Asian countries, seeing all, like all the, the poverty, like the unfortunate poverty in the education. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, when I look back on the experience, what moved me the most was the reactions and the expressions and the conversations I had with a lot of youth. Um, this is why I believe storytelling is so powerful. I think numbers, of course, they're important. Statistics help guide our world in many respects, but for me, at least, storytelling is what inspires me. And so I will be motivated uh, more by hearing a story more than seeing a number on the page because you feel, you connect with people, you share emotions. I'm a very emotional person. So when I hear these things, I connect with people on a deeper level. So when I had my trip to India, I think that was like the biggest thing that pushed me to start my work. I also think when I was there, I I was quite young. I mean, I, I guess I still am. But like when I was there, I was even younger. I was only 12. And I, at the time, was only able to see the problem at a very surface level in terms of like, okay, these kids, they can't go to school. But after a few years went by, got older, started learning more, um, made it to like the pandemic time, which is when I started my organization, Project Power Global, I understood the intersections between this issue that I was presented with and many other issues. So I saw how it related to healthcare. I saw how it related to poverty, as you were saying. I saw even how the issue of lack of education relates to climate and what communities are doing for climate change. And to me, that really was a wake up call to say, this is not just a fight about getting kids in school. It's a bigger problem. It's a bigger fish we're trying to <laughs> catch here, you know, like we're trying to really solve many other issues at the same time. This is why I chose education as my core issue to focus on with my advocacy work because of the intersections it has with many other issues. So that was what moved me the most. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of botched that question. So I do apologize if it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But I say that because I don't want to make it sound like poverty and education is like, it's not like a competition. It's not like, yeah. like, like, oh, like they have it worse than what you might see in the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we should focus on that. It's mm -hmm. more about like, how bad, like, and it, it's hard, because people if unless you haven't taken that trip to India or Bangladesh or any South Asian country in particular, you don't really understand like how I guess gut wrenching it is. Cause mm -hmm. I went to Bangladesh over the summer mm -hmm. and I remember seeing like all the people who were like struggling or mm -hmm. um, sometimes like when you're in traffic and you see people like asking for money and you're just like, you just have this really like guilt feeling, like what can I do? And it's oftentimes, sometimes you just, you don't know what to do. And yeah. it's like, so um that's why it was it's such a confusing thing to ask. So I do hope that like that made sense. No, but... yeah. <laughs> I would just add to that, I guess, that 
so much, especially working in this space for a while, I've learned that there are also a lot of, I guess, standards or um, views of certain countries that a lot of people, especially from North America, see. So I don't know, when you think of poverty, a lot of these countries in South Asia come up because that's just what it's been like. And I think that's also uh, somewhat of a stereotype that we have to challenge because without doing that, we're just gonna always say India poverty or Bangladesh poverty, like that's not what we want, right? It's kind of about like, there's also this idea that, um, you know, with charity, charity only, runs because there's an issue so it's like how how do we help this issue in a genuine way when there are many other factors in play like we need to like find the root cause of why we should be solving this issue which is why i was speaking about how education relates to so many other issues like climate change and when you really find that core reason or the core why it, the fight becomes easier and you see the picture a little bit bigger that's also why you know my teachers sometimes at school they're like why do you spend so much of your time running these projects why are you like wasting your time is what they've said to me in the past and it's just because they don't understand or they don't see the picture like i do which is okay i mean i'll try and help them understand but for me it's like it's much more than the actions i do it's a bigger effect it's a ripple effect which is what I spoke about in a book I recently published. So, yeah. <laughs> now, you may be 17, but there's no doubt that you are way smarter than me. But you are someone that has emphasized that equality and equity are not the same thing. And mm -hmm. I used to think that they actually were the same thing. So for and just in case anyone like me is stupid and had no idea that they were that they were two different things, Talk about what's the difference between equality and equity. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I just want to first off start by saying you're not stupid if you don't <laughs> have a difference. There are some major world leaders who I've had conversations with that I've also had to explain this difference in concept to. So totally okay, totally <laughs> natural. I love the example one of my friends gave me when we were talking about the difference between equality and equity. And um, they were kind of just talking about uh, the fact that we're all different heights. And I, I will tell you, we've never met in person, but I'm very short. Like I'm like 4'11 or something. Like I'm really short. Um, so when I like go to, I don't know, a baseball game or something, like, let's say I'm standing right near the the thing, the fence. I don't even know the, I don't even know the terms, yeah. but I need to see above this to see like the game, right? right. And then I'm standing next to my really tall friend who is able to see it. If you want to achieve equality, that's having us both stand in the same position with my friend being taller and me being a little bit shorter, but we can still both technically see. But equity is us standing in the same place, but me standing on a stool so that we can see eye to eye in mm. the same way. And I think that's a really good example because a lot of the times you might be given equal opportunities, but there's still different advantages that some people get. So if you want equity, you have to look very uh, 
I guess, it, with a very creative lens in, in a sense to understand the challenges that diverse groups face and say, okay, yeah, we can put them all in school. We can ensure they all have education, but maybe this kid needs more support. Maybe this kid needs, I don't know, uh, a computer because they don't have a computer at home or something. That's ensuring equity um, by asking those hard questions, by really figuring out um, what is it that you have and you don't have and really getting them on the same level. Thank you so much for explaining that. Cause I, because like, and I remember I'm um, actually getting ready for this. I was trying to look it up and uh, like, look, look up the definition. And then I'm like, Oh wait, this is exactly what I looked up. So this was perfect. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, I'm glad that I'm not the only one because it, it, it is something that it's so easy to think they're the same thing because it's like, you guys are trying to achieve a level of success for both people or for two yeah. or more people. But yeah. when you go like even deeper, you realize there's, they're two different things. And then, in that it's not always the same thing. So for sure, for sure. Yeah. Always learning something new. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I mean, we're learning every day. And I even say like, this is a concept that's important to understand in any area of life, not even just like with social, social work or community work. I think it's even helpful to know in like relationships with people, like in conversations. And it's just a good concept to like, understand because at the end of the day like the world is only going to become a better place when we're all fighting for better equity in the world so yeah i'm happy i could explain and i'm glad <laughs> that, you, that that's what you looked up because that's what i know i could be wrong people comment below if you have other perspectives but <laughs> um i want to talk about intentions because you brought this up um, when you talked about your teacher and then when I first met you, I was like, thank God I found someone who like me has lost friends when you're, oh. when it comes to finding passion. Yeah. Um, and I, and when I, I've always been told that you should go at some point, you should go against the current rather than follow the current, you know, try to be different from someone else. But then when you try to take that step, it's very hard because people will think that when, when they see you being passionate about something that oftentimes they don't relate to, they're going to think, Orissa, you're crazy or you're insane or you're dreaming too much. You're like, why should we associate with this person? And it's so weird that unfortunately you've had to be in a situation where you've had to lose friends, people that you thought believed in you, but really didn't. And I would love to know if when you first started out being involved in activism, being involved in Project Power Global, how often you kind of question about whether or not you made the right choice in going into this, especially like, even if you're going through it now, because, you know, there's always, there's always so much to learn, but at the same time, it's almost like, even when things don't go your way, you're kind of questioning yourself, like, did I make the right choice or should I have just stuck with those friends and not really do any of any of this, no matter how good your intentions are? Mm -hmm. I love this question um, and I think it's something that maybe not a lot of people are comfortable talking about so I'm really glad we can do that here. Um, I would say that I would be lying if I told you I don't think about the what ifs in the situation like what if I didn't follow this passion what if I stick to a more uh, I don't know normal path I hate saying normal though I mean like mm additional, I guess. Um, 
I would say that there have been a lot of friends who I thought supported me and knew me, but had other intentions with being friends. And that is often really difficult to navigate because, you know, as someone who cares deeply about people, I often try and give you people I care about a lot of chances. And the thing is, through a lot of different times that I've experienced this, I've learned that people who genuinely support you, care about you, will not, I mean, maybe they might a few times, but usually will not make you doubt their support and their care and their desire to be by your side as you navigate the waters of life and the many currents and, and waves and storms that you'll go through. And I think my biggest thing that I've learned is to trust your gut, to trust that feeling as much as it might be like, nah, like, you know, keep going, like, just like move on, forget about it. Like, don't, don't forget about it because one day you'll look back and realize that that was not okay. And it would have saved you a lot of time and a lot of situations that you didn't have to go through. So, I mean, it's a challenge, I think, especially because the work we do, um, or I, the work I do with my nonprofit, with my advocacy, it really does take a village. Like even just this weekend, I was in New York for the CSW conference at the UN. And the only reason I was able to do that was because my family came with me. My family, my dad literally drove me from Toronto to New York City so that I could go to this conference. And without this support system, this work becomes really challenging. So it's really about finding a healthy balance between trusting people and like really listening to your heart and, and trying to figure out the middle. And also, I think it's important to realize that the biggest cheerleader in your life should always be yourself. And I think that's a really hard lesson because as youth, I think we often look for external validation. And a lot of the times, especially when you challenge the status quo, you're not going to get that right at the beginning. Coming from a South Asian, from a different cultural background than a lot of my peers, I experienced that. I was like telling my grandparents, I'm starting this nonprofit organization. They're like, what? <laughs> what? Okay. I mean, to be honest, they were quite supportive and I'm really grateful for that. But there was often this like, how much can I tell them this fearfulness of judgment and assumptions being made that I'm, you know, dreaming too big, wasting my time, all of that. So it's a balance in, in all cases and in all areas of life, different relationships. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Would you relate? I know you also are from a South Asian background. So. Oh, yes. Yes. So I do want to add, I don't know how many times I brought this up, but um, like in previous episodes, but this is my fourth podcast. I've quit yeah. three previously because no matter what I tried, it failed or I, I didn't get enough views. And so when mm -hmm. I tried this fourth attempt, people were like, okay, you're doing too much. This is too mm -hmm. much. Stop quitting a podcast, creating a podcast. And yeah. I realized I'm doing something wrong which was I want to be able to talk to people that see the potential, see the vision and what I'm trying to do. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned how 
for you, one of the things that you love so much is storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I want to do that, but let me do it with people that actually, that actually fit that norm. And not only Mm -hmm. want to like talk on this podcast, because I do oftentimes get called a burden or a pest. So it's like, let's talk to people that not only want to be on this podcast, but want to see this podcast succeed. So I give credit to you. I give credit to my previous guests because I want to create a community or a group of friends that just want to like want to have those conversations. And because of this podcast, I have been able to have conversations that I never could have had, whether in high school or college mm-hmm. or maybe like once or twice, but not like this. And so I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about like, hey, you're not getting enough views on your podcast. And I was like, listen, I don't care how many people are listening. Oh, I mean, I do care. But like the success of my podcast is, can I have the conversations with guests and just be vulnerable and just talk about what it's like to be a human being? And so when I'm doing that, I don't care if I'm missing out on any events. I don't care about what I'm missing, like what Mm -hmm. if friends are hanging out without me these are the conversations I've always wanted to have. And so in a way, like, I'm finally glad that I'm able to do this. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's really like the the fact that I'm able to do this, especially with people that uh, don't give me one or two word answers and just want to like, just converse. That's all I've ever wanted. And so I've been, I'm grateful that I've, I've got this podcast that's allowed me to talk to people about their life and um, in ways that I never could have, without this them mm-hmm. yeah that totally makes sense <laughs> and i i applaud you for chasing this passion of yours it's really admirable and i i too learn a lot from you and i think you you teach me a really valuable lesson and that is fighting for what you want and what you deserve and i think that's something you do perfectly so i'm grateful too oh thank you now i want to talk about perfection because unfortunately and i and i say this and like and i say this a lot Mm-hmm. off air or when I'm not podcasting or interviewing yeah. is that I care a lot about making each and every episode perfect. And mm. unfortunately, no matter how hard I try, I do end up making mistakes and I'm very hard on myself because I do want to make sure I provide the best experience for guests and for listeners, just because I want people to say, Hey, this was a great episode or a great podcast or whatever. And mm. that's another thing that you also have in common, which is uh, the idea of I guess the the some about how you've struggled with the idea of perfection and especially it, it happens a lot when when people don't believe in you because now you have this fire in you where you're like I'm going to prove as many people wrong and I don't know if this is something that you still go through but I'd love to know how you how you um battle with that idea of trying to be perfect or have you at some point kind of just accepted the fact that you're not going to be perfect that you're going to make mistakes but those mistakes will eventually be a good thing because it can help you learn how do you kind of navigate between these two things um yeah so I think this is also a question where I would be lying to you if I said that I fully have not figured this out yet um but (laughs) I feel like there is been there has been times when I have recognized the imperfections that are just kind of inevitable in life like we're all going to go through those experiences of failure and I think those times have taught me that it's really the way you look at these failures that will kind of change the outcome of what comes next um there have been so many times when I've 
applied to programs, applied for grants, applied for like other things to support the work I'm doing and have gotten rejection after rejection after rejection. And I don't know, this is so cliche. I don't know if you've heard this before. Rejection is redirection. But for me, it literally has been the case where a rejection has redirected me to something else that was turned out to be better. And I think that failure and imperfection are two really beautiful things that we experience in life, which help us see the picture a little bit clearer because we understand the reason we're trying to do something. And I think when you get a rejection, you understand what you want a little bit better. So let's say, I don't know, I applied for this um, really amazing scholarship program. I didn't end up getting the scholarship and I recognize the fact that what I was most sad about or disappointed about was the fact that I wasn't going to be supported in financially with my education. But that's something I can get from other sources. And that's that only that clarity happens usually when you fail at something or you get rejected from something. And oftentimes those experience teach, experiences teach you strategies to really seek out other ways to get what you want and that is an important skill in life because not everyone is going to say yes but it's up to you to be brave enough to be courageous enough to go keep asking for what you want even if it's from other places so yeah i would say i still deal with it i still you know wonder like like and i still have even times when I'm like looking at other people and I compare myself, I think that's also something really real, especially in the age of social media where everything is so widely available. People share so much about their lives. I'm also very guilty of this. Like I'll meet friends and people and they feel like they know everything about me. They're like, oh, I know like by your advocacy work, you're doing so much, like you're so cool, like whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but that's only like one part of my life. There's so much more. And I it, it's it's kind of sad because some people feel like just because I work in that space and I'm doing so much, um, they feel like I don't have time for other things, which is so not true. And that assumption can kind of prevent a lot of friendships, relationships from happening. And I think, you know, it's just, it's important to look at, things from a bigger lens and like figure out what's actually going on and then like then talk about it then figure it out so yeah right absolutely and i think mistakes are what make us human mm -hmm. and you know i created this podcast because i wanted to talk to another guest as a human being mm -hmm. and it's very easy and i oftentimes fall into this trap where it's like i want to be perfect because i want to provide the mm -hmm. best experience but mm -hmm being perfect isn't what makes us human it's about being making mistakes those obstacles that you go through those those feelings of oh i didn't get this right the first time mm -hmm. that's what makes us human and that's what we we should celebrate but because because like you mentioned social media i do this all the time as well where i compare myself to other people mm -hmm. and then for a like for a much worse reason where it's like oh they're doing better than me or they might have a podcast and they're doing better than my podcast and it's like maybe maybe i'm really bad at this but mm -hmm. it's very easy to forget that their success is their success and my mm -hmm. success is my success. And we all have different journeys, 
roadmaps to get to where we are. It just means that some people take much more time than others. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And the moment we get out of that, yeah. I feel like we will be much better off, but it is hard, especially with the social media mentality that we've unfortunately um, been used to. Yeah. That just reminds me of this uh, quote kind of thing that I have on my phone um, <laughs> locks or home screen. Uh, it's by Rupi Kaur. I'm, I'm a really big Rupi Kaur fan, poetry fan. Um, and it kind of is like exactly what we're talking about. So I'm going to read it because I feel like it, it kind of fits perfectly. Um, it says, the universe took its time on you, crafted you preciously so you could offer the world something distinct from everyone else. So when you doubt how you were created, you doubt an energy greater than both of us. So I don't know, I kind of read that every day and remember that we're all on like unique journeys and I think jealousy and judgment prevent us from becoming the best selves we can. And it's more about figuring out how to work together and how to connect and collaborate to lift each other up. Now, I want to talk a bit, or I want to talk more about Project Power Global because Mm -hmm. we talked about the backstory and how your trip to India uh, really influenced this organization. But Mm -hmm. some of the things that are really interesting about your organization are that one, or actually the most important thing, is that it's a youth-led organization. And so, and, and oftentimes when we think of organizations, we will see people, I guess, with much more experience than others, but your organization is mostly youth-led. People like Gen Zers being able to uh, have a seat at the table and talk about issues that are impacting the world. So I'd love to know two things. One, what is it like to be a youth-led organization? And secondly, from a more broader standpoint, why do you think personally it is important for young people to have a seat at the table when it comes to figuring out how to solve or tackle some of the big issues that are affecting the world. Yeah, for sure. Um, So for me, when I started PBG, I really wanted it to be youth-led because of the experiences I had traveling and the impact that I think youth can make in these global spaces. I feel like Gen Z especially, we are a fierce generation that won't take no for an answer. And I feel like we have an energy of connectivity and co-creation, which is so needed when tackling these bigger issues. And yeah, to be honest with you, it's really hard running a youth-led organization because we all have such insanely busy lives i mean most people do but with younger people like we're all in school while we do all of these things as well um but it is a priority for us because there's also this i guess idea that we understand the education issue in a lens that other older people might not because we're still going through our own education right now i mean i am an advocate for lifelong learning and i know that I still want to learn for the rest of my life and be in some programs forever. But I think the core like years when you're growing up, like primary, middle, high school, uni, if you choose that path, um, is when you are impacted by a lot of these structural issues that we try and talk about. So this kind of goes back to this idea that like a lot, oftentimes in different places, there's people who 
might not have firsthand experience advocating for these issues. And for me, it's really important to have those perspectives at the table, because how are you supposed to create tangible solutions without having those who experience these issues be part of that solution making. So one example I can give you is when we first started the organization, uh, one of the first projects that we took on was our pen pal program, which was aimed at connecting students, both in a local town uh, in India, and a school that we were working with in Edmonton at the time, Edmonton, Canada. And the goal was to go through a five week program, which educated both groups of students about five different global issues. And at the end of each lesson, they were each of the students were assigned a pen pal from the opposite school and they had this opportunity to connect with each other to talk about these issues to brainstorm and what we saw this through this program is the power of learning from a perspective that is going to be completely different from your own and when we brought these youth together like even though they were so young and they were so different in many ways they talked about problems from such a real lens like when you go to these higher spaces some of the language they use is like it's like so repetitive in many ways but youth have this like energy i think to really look at an issue critically and say what can we do today right now that will help solve it and that's the type of energy i wanted in my organization and that's the type of energy that i think my team has and it's really guided us in the projects we've done. Like, for example, a lot of our campaigns have been around what's going on in the news today. So uh, a few months ago, last year, actually, uh, when there was a lot of Ukrainian immigrants coming to Canada, one of the projects we took on was our Backpacks for Ukraine project, which essentially worked with a few schools across Toronto, the GTA, where um, even though my team is global, a lot of us do come from this Toronto, Canada region. Uh, we decided to partner with schools to collect school supplies and backpacks for us to make packages for new incoming Ukrainian families with children who will be starting school in Canada. And we did this as a sign of hope for them. We wanted to give them some sense of community and for them to feel like they were, they were going to be supported moving to a new country after experiencing tremendous amounts of trauma. And that was really guided by this mindset of we have an opportunity to do something today. Let's do that. You can't always plan for the future because these issues are existing now. So I'm really an advocate for the little things and the small acts that add up together to make a bigger change. You've been a part of this organization or you, yeah, you've been a part of this organization for quite some time. And I'm glad that you're able to make a difference on so many people's lives. Now, I would love to know before we talk about your future, I would love to know what your vision is for pa Project Power Global yeah. in the next five or 10 years. Where do you see this going? Because yeah. you've obviously done so much. And like we kind of talked about, or maybe, I don't know, maybe if we did, which is that there is no, there is no finish line. Even if we do reach a certain point, we're just going to continue going no matter what. So where does Project where does Project Power Global go from here? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. <laughs> to be honest, I am still figuring it out. I think life is a continuous path of just figuring it out. Um, for us, though, I really see 
um, PBG continuing to be a youth led organization. So even when I age out, I, I want to pass the torch to other young people who can use this as a space to advocate for issues in education, because even though I hope and I will do everything in my power to be part of this fight to achieve um, equality or equality and equity, we should say, <laughs> in education by 2030, uh, even though actually I, I should say the goal is access to education. There's no discussion around equality and uh, equity in the UN goals, but one of the SDGs is access to education. So even though that is a goal by 2030 that the global community wants to achieve, I feel like there's still going to be a fight after that, because once we do that, there's going to be other issues presented. Um, so I feel like with PBG, it's going to just be a space where we're going to use the power of storytelling, which is what we do currently, and just learn about the challenges and continue collaborating and using our everyday actions to make a bigger impact. So I guess it's a very broad answer. Um, definitely working on getting clarity, but I think for now it is about really teaching people that every action matters, which is what I say a lot. So, yeah. Before I let you go, I want to talk to you about your future because mm -hmm. you've got some exciting things going on, not with just with Project Power Global, but you personally. First things first, uh, I know you talked about how you're based in Toronto, yeah. Um, but you're going to Italy. Now, <laughs> I, I have to ask, as someone who's South Asian, I don't even know if Italy sells curry. So that's going to be a, <laughs> that's going to be a red flag. But uh, why are you going to Italy? Um, yeah. What's going on there? Yeah, great question. Why am I going to Italy? I still don't know. I'm just kidding. Of course I know. Um, yeah, the curry thing, I actually haven't looked into. I should probably <laughs> do that. I've been like focused on figuring out like my cell phone plan because that's also an issue with like South Asian parents. They want to talk to me constantly. Like how do I make sure I got good Wi-Fi? So yes. that's a concern. Also, I was at the the dentist the other day and they're like, make sure you like come back for visits because I don't know what the dentistry like industry is like in Italy. And I'm like, don't worry, I'll, I'll make frequent trips home to make sure that my healthcare is on point. But anyway, <laughs> um, that's just that's just a side note. Um, but yes, I am moving to Trieste, Italy, or actually just a town outside of Trieste, Italy, which is in the northernmost region of Italy. And it's on the border of um, Slovenia. So it's it's right near the water, actually. And I will be attending the United World College of the Adriatic, which is one of 18 schools globally, part of uh, United World Colleges, which is a movement in many ways, but also, I guess, an organization, uh, um, a school community that is all connected and has a mission to use education as a force to create a more peaceful and sustainable world. And I guess that sounds very like, okay, but what, what is it actually? Um, so in very logistical terms, it is a two-year high school program that allows students globally to complete high school. 
uh, with the IB diploma. So for those who don't know what IB is, it is International Baccalaureate and it is a globally recognized program uh, for the last two years of high school. So I will be completing my high school diploma in Italy. And I'm really excited because it's been a dream in the making, to be honest, for years. And I'm going to be learning and living with students from over 80 countries. I don't even think I can list 80 countries. So that'll be a good I can't list. either. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know 80 countries off the top of my head. So, so much learning. I know that there probably will be some students from India. So I feel like we'll create a little brown gang and just, you know, <laughs> be able to cook the curry in our dorm rooms, hopefully, but I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited for that. And uh, yeah, it's definitely really scary. I'm not sure if any of our listeners have gone through international school experiences, but if you have, I'll check the comments later. If you guys have any tips or advice. I know Hamza, I think you stayed in the same area for school or did you also move? If you have any advice, I'd love to know, but yeah, I am excited oh. for this new chapter for sure. No, I, unfortunately I've been here my whole life, so right. I won't be able to help you there. But if there is, if you are having trouble finding curry, I'm going to make sure to call the American ambassador to Italy to call the Canadian <laughs> ambassador to Italy to let whoever the prime, whoever the president of Italy is to be like, Hey, Arissa's yeah. coming to in or India. <laughs> Arissa's coming to Italy. You better get some curry possible because South curry, Asians yeah. cannot live without curry. Yes, so. <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's oh my curry goodness. Like we need that. Exactly. Yeah. Podcast. yeah. If we had an in-person <laughs> guest, if you were an in-person guest, we could have had curry right now. But That would have been awesome. Yes. Okay, main, main question though, what type of curry? Like chicken curry, of course. Do you want me to be more specific? Can't relate on that. I'm I am a vegetarian. Oh, so, yeah. It's I okay. Know. It's okay. <laughs> you know what? If you do come back as an in-person guest, if we have the budget for it, mm -hmm. we'll we'll make we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Okay. I love but... like alu gobi. If you're gonna ask, <laughs> yeah. that, that would be my request. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Um, okay. another thing that um obviously is uh, exciting is you also have a documentary coming up called In Between the Lines. Um, this was something I found out just a few minutes before we were recording, but I'd love to know more about that because I know you filmed in India and Nepal. What has this? What what led to you creating this documentary, and when are we gonna see it? Yeah. Okay. So. Yes, this project has been a dream project of mine for a while and a opportunity presented it my, presented itself for me to return to India and also go to Nepal this summer um, because one of my uncles was getting married and when I my family told me about this I was like oh my goodness it's been like years now since I've gone on my first trip to India I need something to 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 happen, like I need something to, I don't know, do when I'm there. And even though my organization does projects in India, we weren't going to the same area. So I wasn't able to like travel and, and work and do that sort of stuff when I was there. So I really thought about my first trip and what I would want if I had the opportunity to do that all again. And the number one thing I, would want is to have recorded everything because I feel like that trip was so transformative for me. I wanted a place for other people to kind of experience or even just witness the 
stories that I heard and the people that I got to meet and understand why it's so important that we should all be part of this fight for education. So I was like, what's the best tool to do that? And that is recording and filming. And I use my passion for video and um, videography to kind of uh, record that and turned it into a small documentary project. Um, it will be coming out by the end of 2023. So look out for that. It is called In Between the Lines and it, the name, um, because a lot of people have asked me the name, I am a person to try and read in between the lines. So we were talking about earlier about kind of understanding the many issues that are behind a bigger umbrella topic issue. And in order to achieve better solutions to these problems, I think we got to read in between the lines, really understand the things that are not so clear and, and ask those hard questions. And that's what I tried to do through the the documentary. So I'm excited for it. I did film it this summer. We, uh, we edited a trailer. So it's up on my Instagram at Arissa underscore Roy, if anyone wants to check it out. And it is a project through my nonprofit as well. So that's kind of how we um, funded it. And I'm really excited for it to release. Well, I'll tell you what it is. I'm, I know you're going to have a very exciting year going to Italy with Project Power Global with this documentary. I'm so excited to see what it's what's in store for you in the future. But I really, um, I love this conversation so much. So thank you so much yeah. for being a guest on this podcast. Um, I can't. Or good luck in Italy. I don't know if there was any curry, but I'll. But we'll see. But um, seriously though, thank you so much. And um, until the next time we meet. Thank you so much, Hamza. This has been an absolute pleasure, and I hope we do get a chance to share a conversation over some curry one day we'll make it happen for sure yes, we will. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening to this episode if you like what you saw feel free to subscribe to this podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify youtube or wherever you get your podcast and also be sure to follow us on Instagram at the OMCG podcast for more information on guests, preview clips, and more. I hope you guys continue to support this podcast in the future. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and I can't wait to see you guys in the next one.